Hello and good evening and welcome to another episode of Religions, Regimes and Refugees, their multicultural mess and secular scam. Thank you for joining me today, my friends. I hope you are having a great day wherever you are and you are getting ready for a very special event. Um, very, very special event. And I hope, like all of you, uh, that you will watch it, you will enjoy it, you will be inspired by it. Um, and yes, um, not only will you be inspired by it, but you will continue the dream as long as you can, you live and you will pass it on um, to your generations to come. And I'm talking all about Chandrayaan 3, um, the pending uh, moon landing of the Israel rocket Chandrayaan 3. Um, and, and yes, my dear friends, it is really, really exciting. And I know everyone's excited about it. And so today we're going to talk about it. Let's talk about the history of it, um, because I, I like to go into history. That's my my um, that's where I I like to be the best. But uh, before I do that, um, I want to talk about um, um, about science. Science is a Latin word for knowledge, and knowledge means astronomy. In the olden days, in the old age. Prior to uh, the the prior to the Abrahamic religions, science is is a Latin word means knowledge. Knowledge is always the knowledge of the cosmos, knowledge of um, our galaxies. That was knowledge, and that's why the Vedas is the Sanskrit word for knowledge. And if you see, the Vedas always talks about astronomy, 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 because astronomy is the cosmos, and the cosmos is who we are. Once we understand who we are, we understand the cosmos, and so on and so forth, and we, we, we will get to be uh, a more balanced society. Now, um, th as I said, the Vedas um, talk about the cosmos all the time. That's important. And these Vedas were uh, one time, um, you know, many people understood Sanskrit and over time it has dwindled down. But in 1938, there was um, a pundit from Andhra, Andhra Pradesh um, and his name was uh, Dandi Batla Vishwanatha Shastri. So Dandi Batla Vishwanatha. Vishwanatha Shastri. Um, he was a Vayankarana Shastra and a Vedic Pandit of Andhra Pradesh. Uh, he was a Brahmasmari uh, Dandi Batla Vishwa, um, Vishwanatha Shastri. And he was invited by German scientists in 1938 to decode the Sanskrit hymns of the Yajur Veda and Atharva Veda. Uh, and this was done to design weapons during war, uh, design war missiles during World War II. Vishwanatha Shastra was a child prodigy who studied Tarka, that's logic, uh, Vyankrana, grammar, Miss Mimasa, Dilaima, and mastered the entire Yajurva Veda Karma, Kanda, Bhaga, and Atharva Veda Mantra. Um, 
and his portrait is still hung in Frankfurt in Germany. And that's why Germany still teaches Sanskrit to their um, to their children in, in schools and universities. We don't teach, but in Germany they teach. So in 1938, he was summoned to Germany to help decode the Rahasya uh, mantras, which used for missile technology in World War by the Germans. It is interesting to note uh, the Nazis developed the first practical pulse jet engines for their V-8 rockets or the buzz bombs. Hitler and Nazi were exceptionally interested in ancient India and Tibet and sent expeditions to both these places yearly starting in the 1930s. In order to gather evidence or um, and scientific information from the ancient world because he knew the Vedas was the only uh, text that had it. Um, so the Chinese also discovered Sanskrit documents in Lhasa and Tibet and sent them to the University of Chandigarh to be translated. The documents contain directions for building interstellar spaceships. And the, their method of propulsion, propulsion um, was anti-gravitational and was based upon the system analogous to that of the Laghima, the unknown power of the ego existing in man's psychological makeup, a centrifugal force strong enough to counteract all gravitational pull. It's important, my dear friends. I'm going to put this link into my podcast. According to the Siddhis, it is this Laghima which enables a person to levitate. Um, these machines work, which are called astras by the text. The ancient Indians could have sent a detachment of men onto any planet, according to the document, which is thought to be ten, thousands of years old. The manuscripts were also said to reveal the secret of Antima, the cap of invisibility and Grama, Gram, Garima, how to become as heavy as a mountain of lead used by Hanuman and Ramayan to cross the ocean and reach Lanka. Naturally, Indian scientists did not take these texts seriously, but then became more positive about the value of them when the Chinese announced that they were including certain parts of the data to study in their space program. Uh, this was one of the first instances of government admitting to researching anti-gravity. So this, our Vedas, the Atharva Veda and the Yajur Veda was translated in 1938 by um, our pundits over here and sent to Germany because Germans wanted it for the impending war and to build rockets, V8 rockets and, and pulse jet engines. And this is the only place that they had it. Now, you think that, oh, well, the Germans invented it, this one invented but how did they invent it from the middle of nowhere? Just like that? I mean, these things take thousands of years to decode, to put together, and all of a sudden some, someone comes and just invents it and decodes it? No, they invented it because they translated previous documents about it. So this was used um, 
this was used unfortunately for not for good purposes but in world war ii okay when it was used in world war ii obviously hitler lost okay and those nazi scientists uh, those nazis were put to death but the scientists in the nazi operations uh, the scientists uh, you know they were caught and they were given a chance the nazi scientists <laughs> They were, they were abducted, they were taken away by, to, by America and Russia, okay, and given a second chance at life. They said, we, would, we will um, give you a second chance at life if you transfer all the data that you accumulated during the World War II to us, okay, and from there... The, their knowledge about space, about rockets, about military, about bombs, um, was then transferred to the Russians and to the and, and to the Americans, and that became the American and the Russian space program. Okay, uh, Sputnik um, and and. Uh, and the cosmonauts and Yuri Gagarin, they didn't go into space because Russia invented a space program. I mean, until 1917, they were a feudal economy. How from a feudal economy with nothing and believing in some Jesus Christ, they went all the way to producing space program. It takes thousands of years to put this together. Well, guess what? They took it from the Nazis who translated ancient Vedic text. Similarly, the American program was the same. So a lot of people, if you go to the History Channel, you will see many people think that there was a Cold War, there was a space race between the Americans and the Russians. Actually, it was not the, uh, a Cold War, it was not a space race between the American space program and the Russian space program. It was actually a, a German uh, ex-Nazi uh, space program that was then rebranded as the American and the Russian space program, which originally came from the Vedas. Um, and so today people say, oh, well, the Americans sent someone to space. Yes, they did, into, onto the moon. Russia says, well, we sent someone to the moon. Yes, absolutely. But it came from somewhere be behind that were Nazi scientists who worked with Hitler. Many, 99.9% .9 of the people do not know this. It's on the YouTube, it's on in the internet. You can research it yourself. And this program then produced all the different space programs around the world. But this, remember, starts from the Vedas, okay? Uh, and from these programs, you have the Indian ISRO programs. Now, a lot of what was, uh, was collected by the American programs for, was for American military, okay, and their armed forces. They have since then been, you know, uh, made public and from American military um, science and their technology, we get the internet today, the iPhones, blah, 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 all of which were developed for American military. It was not developed for us, it was developed for American military. And that's why we have these communications that we do today that, that existed for military purposes. So actually, the Americans have, uh, you know, gone so far as to use, to invent all of this uh, internet and so on and so forth. So it's fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. Um, but 
at the same time, it, it has a source. So a lot of people uh, say, well, oh, yes, well, why are you spending it? How, you know, the Americans are so great. The Russians are so great. Yes, they are, by all means. To send something up into space onto the moon is fantastic. Whoever the scientist is, whatever's the reason, space exploration, space uh, uh, is always, always, always important. And it's very good for the whole planet because everyone um, benefits from it. But uh, what is important here, I'm also going to talk about the uh, Operation Osa Viakim. I can't pronounce it very clearly, my friend. It's Operation Oso Aviakim. You can read it in, in my podcast. I will put the link. It was a secret, secret Soviet operation under which more than 2,500 former Nazi German specialists, engineers, scientists, technicians who worked for specialist pro, uh, companies and institutions um, relevant to military and economic policy in the Soviet Union or Soviet occupation zone of Germany and the Soviet sector of Berlin, as well as about 4,000 more family members, totaling 6,000 people who transported, who were transported from former Nazi Germany as war preparations in the Soviet Union. It took place in the early morning hours of uh, October 1946 and Soviet army units under the direction of the Soviet military administration in Germany headed by Ivan Serov. Um, related equipment was also moved and the aim being literally to transpa transplant the research and, and production centers such as relocated V2 rockets uh, from Germany to the Soviet Union and collect as much as material as possible from test centers such as the Luftwaffe Central Military Aviation Test Centers in, in, in Reichland, Germany, taken by the Red Army on May 2nd, 1945. The code name Osoa Vyakim is the acronym of the largest Soviet organization which recruited civilians for the Red Army during World War II, which was mistakenly used for the first time um, on October 23, 1946. Um, so this campaign served to secure the, tra the transfer of know-how and is described in Russia as foreign experts. So these Nazi scientists uh, are quoted as foreign experts in USSR. In some cases, the families of those affected and the furniture were also re relocated. The years in the Soviet Union passed without employment contracts and legitimation through personal documents. The operation was had parallels with allied operations among other uh, allied groups, but their goal was to transfer all the information from the Nazi German scientists who were either were going to be put to death, um, they were either going to be put to death and were given a second chance and say, well, you transfer, you translate and transfer all your information to me and we'll give you a second chance at life, which many empires do in the past. Every empire has done that. Um, Genghis Khan did it for his, uh, the, when, he, when he took over China, uh, parts of China, uh, the Turks invaded 
the Turks invaded um, modern-day Turkey, Antioch, and uh, Anatolia, and the Romans, um, the Constantinople, and all those who were living there, uh, you know, they were given a second chance by transferring the knowledge. Similarly, in Baghdad, when the when the Islamist uh, Islamic invaders invaded Persia, Baghdad, which was per, part of Persia and it was previously known as Setesfion, uh, this was a center of learning, and their people transferred knowledge uh, from their people transferred knowledge from from the previous generation was then transferred to a new generation and so all empires do that once they take control they say okay well we'll give you a second chance okay but you you have to absolutely do you know transfer information to us and so this was how the um russians transferred russians transferred uh, got their knowledge for their space program and which is one of the uh, which produced such great, um, you know, cosmonauts and so on and so forth. And they were the first people to send a man into space, Yuri Gagarin, and the first woman into space, uh, and the first dog into space. Now, the Russians were not going to be beaten because the Americans did the same thing through, and their operation was called Operation Paperclip. So it was a secret United States intelligence program in which more than 1,600 German scientists, engineers, and technicians were taken from the former Nazi Germany to the U.S. for government employment after the end of World War II in Europe between 1945 and 1959. It was conducted by the Joint Intelligence Observation Objectives Agency and was largely carried out by special agents of the U.S. Counterintelligence Corps. Um, many of these personnel were former members of Nazis, the Nazi Party. Uh, in February 14, 1945, the Supreme Headquarters Allied Expeditionary Force set up the T-Force or Special Section Subdivision, which grew to 2,000 personnel. By June, um, they examined 5,000 German targets with a high priority on synthetic rubber and on oil catalysts, new designs in armored equipment, V2 rockets, jet and rocket-propelled aircrafts, naval equipment, field radios, secret uh, writing chemicals, aero uh, medicine research, gliders and scientific industrial personalities. Um, when large number of German scientists began to be discovered in April 1945, the Special Force Section Subdivision set up enemy personal exploitation section to manage and interrogate them. Uh, they were later, uh, the, the recruitment program was called Operation Overcast on July 20th, 20, 1945 to assist in shortening the Japanese war and aid our uh, post-war military research, that's what it was coded, okay? Uh, the term overcast was the name given by the German scientists, first given by the German scientist family members for housing camp where they were held in Bavaria. But later on, this was renamed uh, Operation Paperclip by the U.S., Who's who would attach paperclip folders uh, to these rocket experts from whom they wish to employ in the United States. The project was not initially targeted against the Soviet Union, 
Uh, rather, the concern was that German, German scientists might migrate and continue their research in countries that remain neutral after the war. Um, many German research facilities and personnel have been ev evacuated to the states before the end of the war, particularly in the Berlin area. The USSR then re relocated more than 2,200 Nazi specialists, which we already spoke about. In a secret di directive circulated in September of 1946, President Truman officially approved Operation Paperclip and expanded it to include a thousand German scientists under temporary limited military custody. Um, and, and there we go. So basically it was to uh, transfer the knowledge of um, these German um, military cap uh, capabilities and capacities to their new employers, the Americans and the, um, and the Russians. Obviously, they were not going to tell the, the country that and it was kept silent. But uh, this is where they got the knowledge from. They later formed the space program. So the real space program, it's the American and the Russian space program, is actually the German Nazi program. And that was formed on the basis of data translated from Vedic texts. And now you know why all these priests, all these um, you know, mullahs, tullahs keep telling you about caste, casteism, caste, caste, Dalit, because they do not want, there is, a, there is an agenda out there in the world, in the West, in Europe, in Africa, in, in Arabia, to not tell the world what this knowledge behind the Vedas really is because if India gets hands on its own ancestral knowledge, its own heritage, and they see that the rest of the world has has stolen it, while India has kept quiet on it and been told, oh no, it's nothing, it's horrible, it's it's Nazism, it's uh, it's uh, you know fascism, so on and so forth. Um, if they realize, if India wakes up and realizes that they've been calmed, they'll be very angry. And that's why they have, they have, they know, the world knows that the Vedas is far superior than any Abrahamic text. Any Abrahamic text, the Vedas is far, far superior. But they don't want the Indians themselves to use these texts and be better than, because once the Indians get hold of these texts and are able to, uh, to codify it or to uh, translate it, then they will be far superior and the Europeans, the Arabs will be far behind, which is what is happening. So that's why they're calling us Hindutva fascists, Hindutva that, and there's been a concocted effort not to let the Indians study Sanskrit. So they will never get to know the language of their ancestors and, and use this text, but these texts can be slowly stifled off to the Europeans, to the West, to the Americans, to the Arabians, and they can pretend that, oh, look, we are such a great race, we are such a great civilization, but all their knowledge comes from other groups. Well, anyway, having said all of that, what is most important here is not just, not just, 
these operations of the World War II. It's to say that, yes, look, we don't mind anyone using our knowledge as long as we have access to our own knowledge ourselves. If someone else wants to use our knowledge, we are most welcome to share our knowledge with everyone. Uh, we're most happy to do it. But don't stop us from knowing our own text and pretending that we're some caste. Uh, well, actually, caste is the gibberish and the ignorance of the Abrahamic groups, the Dalit, the Kafir, that's the only thing they can say. They have proved nothing in time. They've taken over all knowledge from outsiders and presented it as their own knowledge, but in reality, it comes from the outside world and from Vedic groups, which they consider Kufar. So they can't tell you that they've taken it from the Kufar or the pagans. So they have to, you know, stop you from understanding Sanskrit so that you might not know what's going on. And having said that, uh, this is the base of these Russian programs and uh, these American programs. But to say today, the Russian Luna 25 failed, unfortunately. Uh, there were a lot of people laughing at them. Uh, it's not the time to laugh at anyone. First things first, you never laugh at anyone. Point number two, these are scientists, highly developed scientists, who, uh, who work very hard and not always successful. Remember, failure is part of success. You cannot win in the first, first day, the first goal. Uh, it takes time to build up. They have not done anything in 25, 47 years. But kudos to them for trying. Uh, they've gone through a hard time. And hopefully they will be better the next time. Like everything else, we too failed the last time. And it's important to understand that we're all part of the scientific uh, knowledge and research of this planet. Every single... Um, Every single person will benefit if we can share our knowledge. So it's to help one another, to support one another in the worst times and in, in times when they need the support the most. And of course, then we come to our, our, our Indian space uh, technology. Uh, congratulations to the ISRO uh, teams, even though, you know, the spacecraft has not reached. But um, Chandrayaan-3... And to look, it is fantastic that they are even doing this. Uh, a lot of people question why so much of money, because yes, all this is investing in jobs, employment, in future technologies, um, technologies for future generations. We do not want to be left behind. We cannot deprive the future generations of technology if we don't do lay the foundation today. And yes, uh, kudos to the scientists, even though there's some people who do not agree with it. We have to be proud of them. Whatever happens on the 23rd, you know, plus or minus, we have to take it in. We have to be grateful to them because every attempt is a um, very important step for humanity and for India to make us proud for employment, for technology in the future and for our generations, like I said. And please, you know, uh, it's a great, great moment for India. Hopefully we'll be successful. I cross my fingers that we'll be successful and nothing unto what happens. Uh, but rejoice, uh, whatever the outcome, rejoice in, these, in the hard work of our scientists. Rejoice in their, in their journey because they do it not just for themselves. They do it for us. They do it for India. They do it for the future generations. And it's important to recognize their effort wherever they go. But also the effort of the history that has, has been part of this journey. And a lot of the knowledge, historical knowledge for these missions have come from the Vedas, my friend. So uh, 
get to know the Vedas, get to know, even if it's in English, uh, get to know uh, basic tenets of these Vedas, get to know the basic translations, how many Vedas, Upanishads, um, and all these uh, you know texts that we have that are a library of knowledge and data that will take us and propel us into future generations um, empowered and healed. And, and that is what I wanted to bring about today. So this is the information, the historical note behind this. Please support our scientists wherever you are. And this is not just for India, but also for the entire world. Imagine what a feather in the capital be. And it's also a time to say sorry for the loss of Luna 25 to the Russian scientists. We support you in your endeavors to come. And uh, to all scientists in the world, we um, our hats off to all of you because we know how difficult this field is. And we look forward for our entire planet benefiting from this lunar mission, uh, Chandrayaan-3. And hopefully the world will be happy for us. So on that note, I let you go. I thank you for your time. I wish you all the very best. Cheers and stay safe.